You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. mistake about it. With my own eyes, I saw that each tomb is empty. Empty. He's not there. There's an argument about where he was laid to rest. It doesn't matter. They're both empty. He is not there. He has risen from the dead just as he said. Our God is the one true God because he is the one true living God. Our God is alive. Jesus is alive. Jesus wasn't just an intelligent teacher who lived a short life, leaving us with a good example to follow. When he died, it shook the spiritual and physical world, lifting the weight of sin off of us. Then, as Pastor Dave reminds us in today's message, he rose again and he's alive and present with us through his Holy Spirit. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 14 as he continues his message, Because He Lives. You are Their grief is going to turn into joy by his restoration to life because resurrection brings life. So he says this in verse 19a. A little while, the wor- a little longer, a little while longer, I'll get it right. A little while longer, the world will see me no more, but you will see me. The world's not going to see him any longer. After his death, the world didn't see him. Now, you may be thinking, wait a minute, Dave, that doesn't match up with Scripture. Hang on to that thought. Hang on to that thought. The last time the world would see Jesus Christ would be when? When Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus took his lifeless body down from the cross and put it in a tomb. That would be the last time the world would see Jesus Christ. But some would. In Acts 10, 41... Luke mentions this in Acts 10, 41. Luke says this, beginning in verse 40. Him, speaking of Jesus, him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. So not everybody saw Jesus Christ when he rose from the dead. Jesus is talking to the disciples, you'll see me. You will see me. You will see me. And this is trying to give them a thing. Why? Why didn't Jesus Christ show him to the world? Well, first of all, the world rejected him. The world rejected him. His own people reject him. So he couldn't manifest to them because if he did, if he manifested himself to them, it would bring judgment upon him. It would bring judgment upon him. It would be Sheer terror. This was an act of mercy that he didn't show himself to the world. Because that would have been judgment. He did reveal himself to those who were around him. And we know, according to scripture, that he revealed himself to some 500 people. And he revealed himself to those who would become the church. Those who would be born again of a living hope. Those who would come to him that soon and be a witness of God's love. But, please, 
Make no mistake about this. Make no mistake about this. Jesus is right now waiting patiently. He's waiting patiently, giving sinners a chance to repent and come into the kingdom. He's giving sinners a chance to repent and come into the knowledge of him. He's given all grace has been dispensed. But one day, the age of grace will end. And the church will be taken out of here. The church will be raptured, taken home to be with him forever. And then seven years later, Jesus Christ will return to earth. And make no mistake, the world will see him. The world will see him. He adds, you'll see me. They saw him after the resurrection. There's many proofs. In fact, in Acts 1.3, he said he showed himself to them in many infallible proofs. In many different ways, he showed himself to the disciples and to those who were chosen by God. But the Greek word here is that you will see me is you will continually see me. You will see me on a regular basis. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I will be followed by that. That's part of me. Goodness and mercy and love. It's part of who I am because of Jesus Christ. What did Jesus tell Nicodemus? Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You don't have spiritual eyes. You won't be able to see me if you're not born again. To those people in the world who are not born again, they can't see Jesus in you. They can't see Jesus anywhere. Although the Spirit is there, convicting them of sin, righteousness, and judgment. But they can't see Jesus. Their eyes have been blinded. The Jewish people's eyes have been totally blinded. They can't see that Jesus is their Messiah. But we have Jesus in us. And sometimes you may be the only Jesus that someone sees. As they look into your heart, what do they see? What do they see? I hope they see Jesus. We hope they do. Everybody wants to say when they look at me, they see Jesus. Really? All the time? When you're wearing your Jesus hat down the highway and somebody cuts you off? Ooh, I'm wearing that one. Really? What do they see? What do they see in you? Well, we hope it's Jesus, obviously. But those who have spiritual eyes will see. He's telling them, I'm coming to you quickly. I'll be with you soon after the resurrection. I'm going away, but I'm not going to be going away long. He was going away three days. I'm sure it was an eternity to the disciples, trust me. I'm sure it was an eternity to the disciples. But he went away for three days, and he came with them. So Jesus is speaking about his resurrection. And, and I got off on this tangent of the resurrection. It's, a, it's, it's one of the single most greatest defining moments in history. When we look at Jesus' life, it centers around three different things. There's three different things that Jesus' life centers around, and they're major events, and they're all intertwined. They're all intertwined. They can't be separated. Each part substantiates the other. To remove one from the equation, it nullifies the other two. You can't do it. They're all together. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ was no ordinary man, and that's an understatement. That is a total understatement. The Bible declares that he was virgin born. The Bible declares he's the son of God. The Bible declares that he was God clothed in human flesh. The Bible says he's the creator and the sustainer of all things. So this was no ordinary man. He lived a sinless life. And he fulfilled the law of his father to perfection. Jesus even said, I didn't come to destroy the law. I didn't come to destroy the prophets. I came to fulfill them. And he did it perfectly. The same Jesus, this same Jesus who devoted himself to others, who 
healed sick people, who made the lame walk, who made the blind see, who restored a withered hand. The same Jesus who attended to people's needs, who healed broken hearts. This same Jesus, the one that came into Jerusalem that Sunday, and everybody screamed, Hail the King! Hail the Messiah! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Is the same one that four days later they were yelling, Crucify him! Crucify him! Crucify him! And they put him on a cross, and he died. Make no mistake about it, he died. They took him down, and they threw him in a tomb, and they sealed the tomb. But you take these three events. You take Jesus' birth, his death, and his resurrection. They are intertwined, and they cannot be separated. If you disprove one, you've disproved them all. If you reject one, you've rejected them all. They stand together. What do these three six? What do these three events encapsulate? What do they encapsulate according to 1 Corinthians 15, 3. What do they encapsulate? The gospel. This is the gospel message. This is the gospel message. Jesus lived. Jesus died. Jesus rose again. The gospel message in a simple nutshell. This is it. So that's why you can't separate these things. But it's the resurrection of Jesus Christ that gives us life. It's his resurrection. It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ that separates us from every other religion. Every other religion. Buddha's tomb is still there, and he's still there. Confucius is still in his tomb. All the other great religious leaders are still in their tomb. Please, please know this. I've seen, I've seen two tombs in Jerusalem. One at the Church of the Holy Sepulcher and one in the garden that they call it, this is where Jesus was buried. Make no mistake about it. With my own eyes I saw that each tomb is empty. Empty. He's not there. There's an argument about where he was laid to rest. It doesn't matter. They're both empty. He is not there. He has risen from the dead just as he said. Our God is the one true God because he is the one true living God. Our God is alive. Jesus is alive. Someone said this, quote, The greatest single event in human history, displaying the most tremendous force and exerting the most powerful influence upon the entire world, was not a military mighty victory. It was not an amazing achievement of the arts. It was not an ingenious invention of man. It was not a stupendous scientific discovery, not a discovery and development of nuclear weaponry. An honest search into history results in one conclusion. The world-shaking and world-shaping occurrence of all time was the resurrection from the dead of Jesus Christ. Since that time, no phase of life in any age has been unaffected by this. No phase. When this truth is taught, when this truth is accepted, lives are changed. People's lives become new. People's lives become beginning. They're changed forever. And the same thing happens today. But for 2,000 years, our enemy has attempted to erase this event from the pages of history. Thousands upon thousands of, seps, uh, of, of, of skeptics, scoffers, sinners have devoted their lives to discredit the gospel message. Why can they not do this? 
Why can they not discredit the gospel message? It's very, very simple. Three words. Jesus is alive. They can't dispute it. They cannot dispute it. I got a great story for you. In a communistic country, to be a true communist, you must be an atheist. To be a true communist, you must be an atheist. And there's a great story out of the 1920s when this communist leader by the name of Nikolai Burkhan was sent from Moscow to Kiev to address this great big anti-God rally. It was an anti-God rally. And for one hour, all he did was ridicule Christianity. All he did was ridicule Jesus Christ. All he did was tear it apart and tear all our belief systems and throw them in a heap in ruins. The place was packed. And all people sat there, listened. The place was packed. Then he invited questions. Coming up to the podium, cloaked in all his regalia, was an Orthodox priest. He came up and he stood at the podium and he shouted out to these throngs of people that were seated there. He shouted out this traditional Easter greeting. And remember, being a Christian in a communist country is verboten. So he shouts this out in front of everybody. He shouts out, Christ is risen. And the entire stand jumps up and they all yell, risen indeed. Every one of them. See, you can't change what's in you. You can't change what happened in you. You can't change that. You can't change that. Jesus is alive. And as we look to the end of this passage, Jesus gives the most glorious promise. I mean, he's given us so many promises. His Bible is full of promises, but he's given us so many. And each one gets more and more glorious. But this one is incredible because in this one we have true life. Look at 19b. Because I live, Jesus says, you will live also. Wow. What a beautiful passage. What a glorious piece of scripture to take into our heart. Because Jesus is alive, I'm alive too because I believe in him. I trust in him. I accept his sacrifice on the cross for my sin. I've been born again into a living hope. And I know that I have a future with him because he's alive. And he lives now in me. So my hope of eternal life is based on his resurrection from the dead. If Christ didn't raise from the dead, then my hope is in vain. All my preaching is in vain. And I'm a most miserable person. But because Jesus is alive, I have this glorious hope. Peter writes about this in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Listen to what Peter writes. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved for, in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Yeah. The disciples felt helpless that Jesus was leaving. He was calming their anxiety by giving them this glorious hope. This glorious hope that because I live, you will live. Because I live, you will live. Jesus was telling his disciples the same thing he's telling us today. We are alive because Christ lives. We are alive and we will live forever because Christ lives. Because he rose from the dead. 
because he lives. How many of you are familiar with that glorious song written by Bill and Gloria Gaither? Yeah. Beautiful song. Let me tell you the verse, the, the chorus. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth living just because he lives. Wow. See, we share this beautiful victory. We share this beautiful victory with him because of the resurrection. Mark said it from during worship. We are more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. We've been given the victory, the same victory that he has. Life is worth living. Life is worth living here and now because Jesus lives. And I know that one day I'll be with him. It makes his life even more glorious to live because I know what's at the end. I'm not surprised. I know what's coming. The good news, he lives in you. What does that mean? And how does it impact my daily life? It should give you a skip in your step. <laughs> it, 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 it should give you a smile on your face. Now we all get down, we all get grumpy, we all get, get, get upset at time to time. But there should be such a joy and a peace within your heart that, that that peace that surpasses all understanding should be there. And what does that peace do? It guards your heart and guides your mind in Christ Jesus. And there should be a joy there, a joy inexpressible, a joy in, un, unexplainable. I can't explain why I'm happy. I can't explain why I got this stupid look on my face. I'm in love with Jesus and he's in love with me. He's given me eternal life, so that's why I have the joy. Yeah, everything's falling down around me, and everything's going crazy, but I don't care. I do care, but it's like Christ in me, the hope of glory. I can even underline him out of word. Christ in me, the only hope of glory, because there's no hope without him. The strongest impact he brings gives us a certainty of assurance. He gives us an assurance. And I've said this first service. I'm going to say it again. Mark and I pray, and we pray often. He likes to say that Jesus is our insurance and assurance. And I love that. And I really, really love that because I looked at it because he is our assurance because the question of salvation that weighs on many of our hearts. A question of salvation weighs on many of our hearts because we want to know, have I done enough? Have I been good enough? Uh, I can answer that question for you. No. You'll never do enough, and you'll never be good enough. That's why Jesus went to a cross. That's why Jesus went to a cross and bled and died for you. You'll never. So both answer that question, no. But he did enough through his death, burial, and resurrection for you. And that resurrection gives you life. Here are the facts. Since Christ was raised, he cannot die again. Since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die. And Paul said... Death no longer has mastery over him. Death has no mastery over him. Because he lives forever, you're going to live forever. Have you accepted him? You have a key to eternity. A key to eternity by accepting Jesus Christ. And you can live forever. Because he lives forever, every believer will live forever. Look at the words from Hebrews should erase any doubt or fear in your mind. Let's look at Hebrews in Hebrews 7. In Hebrews 7, verses 24 and 25 says this, Therefore he, Jesus, is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he, Jesus, always lives to make intercession for them. 
Jesus is making intercession for us. He's making intercession for those that aren't saved right now. Your loved ones, as you lift up those prayers to others, to Jesus, he's making intercession for you. The unchanging nature of Jesus' priesthood means that salvation he's given doesn't change. It's permanent. It's secure. It's with you. Not only does his eternal life anchor us in assurance, he gives us a new way of life. Sin and death are no longer to have with us. We don't have anything to do with them. You have a chance to say no. Before, we never had a chance. We couldn't. The old self was crucified with Christ, dead and buried. Because he lives, you can count yourself dead to sin and fully alive to God. And that's what the Bible said in one of the most powerful verses describing God's grace that is in the Bible. Galatians 2, 20. Paul writing, I have been crucified with Christ and no longer I live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That explains it right there. Because he lives, he is definitely my insurance. Remember, insurance and assurance? He is my insurance. Because he lives, that means his word is true. What does his word say? His word says, if I call upon the name of the Lord, I will be saved. I have the insurance of being saved. His word says that when I die, I'm going to heaven to be with him. I have the insurance of eternal life. The word says I will live together with him in paradise. And there's even more insurance. I got a down payment. He loved me so much that he gave me a down payment. He gave me deposit money. Here, the Holy Spirit, here's your down payment. Wow, that's incredible. So I have that in my heart. And finally, because he lives, we're no, under, no longer under the blanket of condemnation because we've been set free from the law of sin and death once and all because of the law of the spirit of life. Because he lives, we can face tomorrow, folks. Regardless of what you're going through right now, because he lives, we can face tomorrow. We can get up tomorrow morning, look at the circumstances in the eye, and say, my Savior lives. And I will be with him one day. We can face that with confidence. We can face that with hope. Knowing that Christ was raised from the dead. He will also give to our mortal bodies life through the Spirit, according to Romans 8, 11. So Christ is our insurance. He is our assurance. He is the freedom. He is the glorious hope. And it is all yours. It all belongs to you if you've accepted the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. All of that is yours. All that belongs to you. Accept it. Take it. Want it. Say, it's mine, I accept that. You have that in you. Because he lives, we live too. And then we can sing what we sang. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Because he lives. You are assured. The Gospel of John was written from a perspective that provides an eyewitness account of what happened during the life of Jesus here on earth. Different than the other three Gospels, John's book describes Jesus in ways that confirm him as the Son of God. There are things done and said that can only point to Jesus being far more powerful than what a human could do. In the Old Testament, God referred to himself as, I am. In this book, John recounts how Jesus said, I am the light of the world. 
I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I am the resurrection and the life. These were bold statements, but Jesus proved throughout his ministry that they were indeed true. He lived a life that compelled people to follow at that time, to seek him out, and to commit their lives. And we can also follow him today. If you missed any part of today's teaching, or you'd like to listen to additional messages from Pastor Dave, visit AssureHopeRadio.com. Perhaps you were listening, you realized that you have some questions about faith, and maybe even about salvation. We'd be happy to talk with you and provide some resources to answer your questions. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. You can also click on the Jesus tab at AssureHopeRadio.com. This will provide you with a succinct picture of who Jesus is and how he can change your life. Thank you again for taking the time to learn about God's word today. We hope you'll join us again next time on A Sure Hope.